right, live from Studio 6B on a Tuesday night. Paul Nolan's here with the news. Rick uh, Delgado's here with a what even is that tonight. Rick Emirati's going to have sports. Rick Emirati in his um, sweet potato suit tonight, <laughs> which I you ran into the back of a sweet potato truck or Dang. something there. Be better. Can <laughs> turn you turn around and, and give us the vibe? Remember the movie Dumb and Dumber where they're at the parties wearing yes. the orange tux? Yes. He says, I'm going to go over here to the barn. Put do out the you, vibe. Um, <laughs> do you look like in the mirror when you leave the house and think, and you look and you kind of put that shirt with that suit and you go, you look and you you go, yeah, this is it. Yeah. Is that what you do? I do. Okay. Yep. Do, do your neighbors, when they see you come out of your house, grab their kids and shuffle them away from you? <laughs> My next door neighbor is a huge LFS6B fan. Unbelievable. Okay. All right. Very good. I think he looks like a million bucks. Well, he does, but I just, you know, it just, you have, it have to have a talent to put that together because yeah. I, could, you know, I would never be able to put that shirt. With the suit, you know, it's just like a... Only a man that lovable can get away with that. Yeah, exactly. So, all right, well, Rick will have sports. Uh, Paul's going to have news. What's coming up in your what even is that tonight, Mr. Delgado? Uh, let's Following see. Following up on, what yes. was it, Fridays? Fridays, yes. That's that's tough. It's it's. I went a different direction today. I went with, uh, 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 I'm trying to save a cartoon. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. Gee, you might want to have Fridays queued up in case we want to replay that if this thing is halfway through this. It's Come just on. a disaster. Just <laughs> Shut Fridays, up, Fridays was, I mean, Good. knock it out of the park time. Oh, thank you. Spectacular. Oh, um, man, I missed it. But yeah. I couldn't find it on Facebook either because... Uh, well, Gio hasn't posted it yet. You're not but allowed to? No, he will. Uh, what's coming up in the news, Paul Nolan? There's lots of, lots of news. Um, yeah, uh, Biden is... Uh, Continuing to build his cabinet. Um, I watched China actually keeps- some of these. I, I watched some of his cabinet people today on uh, on the live stream. I watched Blinken, uh, who wants to be Secretary of State. Um, he actually answered some questions that I thought, well, at least he gave the right answers. There's some of them. Cruz asked him if Jerusalem was the capital of Israel, if we would leave the embassy there. He said yes. So, uh, I mean, there's a couple things to... At least not want to jump off the roof. What else is uh, in the news? Uh, you know, Mike Lindell is uh, being uh, pushed out of Coles in um, Bed Bath and Beyond. Yep, he's the new um, he's the new big Goya, I guess, of the day, right? The big attack mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> as the left continues to go after. You know, I was watching a lot of um, MSNBC, CNN, just flipping around to see everyone's t- even Fox. Um, it's hard, it's hard not to watch the mainstream media or pick up the New York times or the Washington post or go online to their sites and look at some of the headlines. Look at the guests. I I see Steve Schmidt from the Lincoln project on MSNBC, Joy Reid every night, Don Lemon every night. I mean, how much better shape would the country be in if we didn't have to endure these people every night? If we just had, you know, you always get these hey. local newscasts are always better. The local news reporters always ask better questions. It's it's these mainstream big corporate hate um, machines. Hate yeah. machines. Because no, really, seriously, they spew so much anger, hatred, rage, and and it's and so much of it's contrived. It, it's it's actually torture. I made the mistake of trying to look at some of it. They. <laughs> it's almost it's almost Paul. You could almost call it inciting incite, incitement. Listening no, to them. No doubt about it. I mean, I'm not kidding. They, they, the rhetoric is so over the top of, of pure hatred that it, 
the fact that they constantly it's, it's right down the playbook, right? Everything that yeah. Mark's told you to do is do what you do and then blame your opponent for doing it. It's yep. the the hatred and violence on those channels, they're really palpable, but it's so hard to watch. It's it's truly it's yeah. truly it's insane, really. And yet it's, they're never accused of inciting. Uh, the president's accused of it by saying we're gonna march over to the um to the Capitol, make our voices heard um, peacefully and, and um, patriotically, patriotically that he yeah. said. He's accused of inciting violence. Mitch McConnell, the worst Republican leader ever in the history of Republicans, the longest Republican leader, um, he's a gutless worm. He throws the president under the bus today. I have the clip. This is, you know, you have Nancy Mace, who's been in Congress on the opposite end of Mitch McConnell for about four seconds, throwing the president under the bus. Uh, I'm going to be the new the new voice, she says. Yeah, okay. You've been here for eight, eight seconds, and you're going to tell us that you're the new voice, and you're going to be one term and out, because you're exactly the reason uh, that the Republicans get their ass kicked in all of these things. Mitch McConnell gets his ass kicked around that place from Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer for eight years of Obama and, and for a lot of four years under Trump. I know he did fine with the judges, but I could have done that given that situation if I was there. Didn't have to do too much. So good for him, for the judges, uh, and for the Supreme Court for now, until Chuck Schumer and the Democrats go after that too. But they'll, they'll never let this go on the, on the 6th. The attack of conservatives, the attack of this president, they're going to they're gonna use this to rewrite his history. The president gave today a fantastic fantastic address if if you don't watch this show tonight you would never see it in its entirety now real america's voice some people have played clips of it and good for them um but any other president gave this address and it would be on every mainstream media the entire speech in full everywhere you could turn you wouldn't be able to get away from it you couldn't find it today and i'm gonna play it for you in its entirety because it's fantastic twice and it, and it, and it reminds you, if you're, if you're someone who supports and tries to support the Constitution, whether you're a, whether you're a constitutional uh, scholar and uh, expert like a Levin or a Shapiro or, or some of these guys, or you just, on the most basic level, believe in liberty and freedom and the individual and sovereignty of the individual and of the country and all of this, on a more basic level, this is the kind of this is why you're going to miss this president when you listen to this speech. You'd never hear someone like a McConnell give this speech. You'd never hear Biden give a speech like this. I'm so sick of hearing about the unity thing with Biden. It makes me want to puke. We all know who Biden is. He's a plagiar number one. Ask Bob Bork if he's a unifier. Ask Clarence Thomas if if um, Joe Biden is a unifier. Go back and think about this guy. Started his career hanging out with segregationists ask biden's a unifier i don't i don't think so i'm not playing ball with that i have no interest in this whole thing tomorrow so now we're the resistance they never gave this president a chance but now all of us are supposed to be beat into uh the unifier unification behind biden well they don't want no, no, no. they just want conformity behind biden that's what they want not un, not unifying bingo mm -hmm. It's just do what we say and then and, and shut up or, or we're going to deplatform you, de, um, de whatever we can to you.
But I, but I mean, to listen to the rhetoric on some of these, from Chuck Todd to Don Lemon to uh, Fredo, can we say Fredo? Yeah, Cuomo and all of them. MSNBC, they just one conga line. It's just a conga line of uh, circus animals. These people, one after the other after the other. Steve Schmidt, Mika to to Mika and Joe, <laughs> calling everybody Nazis and just the the, the attacks. They say whatever they want. He, he compares uh, he compares Trump to uh, Goebbels. Stalin. Biden Biden does compares him to Goebbels, uh, Ted Cruz, and Holly. The, and the, none of them. They never get. No one ever says, well, uh, you know, is this incitement? When Steve Scalise gets shot on a, on a ball field because of a Bernie Sanders support. This rhetoric you hear from them, rhetoric, you can constant rhetoric from these guests on these shows. You never hear this kind of talk about, well, you know, who's really inciting here over time? But meanwhile, who's- they never compare him to Mao. Right? They never compare him to Mao ever, right? Stalin... Every, you know, Pol- but not Mao, you know, I mean, it's, it's, you know, cause they can't go say anything bad about China, no matter how they slice it. And, and he's, how many murders does, uh, does Trump have under his belt? I don't think any. Obama has a bunch, doesn't he? They never well, called, they never called him Hitler or, or Stalin. No, we didn't go into new wars. That's for sure. Which is of course, like Liz Cheney's not happy. <laughs> but she couldn't get elected to be dog catcher right now from what i understand in uh i think wyoming so and good for them yeah they came after yeah. her in wyoming in the in the legislature over there and it's enough with the never trumpers by the way and the all the all the people over at national review and some of these other ones it's just i saw chris starwall got let go from fox good uh-huh but some of these people, oh, Liz Cheney's the one that's going to get uh, going after really defending her because, of course, she talks out after you know throws the pre- tries to throw the president under the bus. Now it'll be she's the she's the new hero of uh, Chuck Todd. Nancy Mace was on Meet the Press last Sunday. I got clips of her today, and this is why they love McConnell too because McConnell's a gutless worm too when it comes right down to it. He gets his ass kicked every time the debt ceiling comes up or any of these spending bills come up. Mitch McConnell's just name one thing other than the judges, which again I could have done, given this situation. So fine, he got the judges through. Good job. What else has he done? What does Mitch McConnell do to 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 uh, to, to to forward the conservative movement? What has he done to push that down the road? Nothing. Ungats. Oh, he's pu- he's pushing it. It's just not down the road where we want it to go. He get, he gets he's pushing nothing. He gets rolled every time Pelosi and, and him get in. He's created more debt. He's allowed more spending. He's been he's terrible on everything. His wife's in the news. We'll have a story on her in a little bit. Yeah, but you make it seem, Dame, like he's he's a good guy. Just uh, you know, he's just not he's just not punching up to his weight. No, he he's a guy who's part of the problem. Who, who, when did I you say know? that? Well, well, when you're saying he's getting rolled. He it's is like, getting rolled. Is he getting rolled or is he letting himself get rolled? He's in cahoots. Yeah. What's the difference? He's still getting rolled. Doesn't because matter if he's getting, stupid enough to realize it. Because getting rolled implies that he's actually fighting for the right. conservatives or that the he Republican ha- that he Party. Has, right, that he has something that he's trying to stand on. He, he, he's just standing on us. That's all he's standing on, trying to get more. Yeah, it's like when Sergeant Slaughter was wrestling Mr. whatever, I don't know, whatever some other wrestler, I don't know. 
they beat each other up in the ring. They go back and drink beers together. It's the same thing. Well, the president's speech was fantastic today, and I'll show it to you in two parts. Um, and when you listen to it, as he lists the things that they accomplished, have the backdrop when you're listening to it of phony impeachments, Mueller, Russia collusion, Adam Schiff, the constant attacks, the constant, um, even the transition. Uh, that's so funny to hear them. Oh, we got to have peaceful transitions. Well, what the hell did we have in 2016? I hear all these people. Oh, they're not honoring the tra- transition of power and peaceful, and they're not welcoming them, and they're not sitting down with them. And now, what the hell did the, what did we have in 2016? Was that peaceful? They put spies in the campaign. Well, don't you know they tried to impeach him from the Politico said it was debunked. They the second he took office, they were on to their first impeachment. No, no unity, don't you know? Unify behind Joe Biden, the dummy. No thanks. Tuesday night, live from Studio 6P, Real America's Voice, Dish Network, Channel 219, Pluto TV, Channel 240. Glad you're in. Paul's going to do some news here in a second. Rick Delgado with What Even Is That? Coming up at the top of the hour. Rick Amorati's going to have sports coming up before that. And I'm going to play you the president's um, speech in its entirety in two different parts here on the show. So, um... Let's do some news here with uh, Paul Nolan. What's going on, Mr. Nolan? Well, uh, today, um, President-elect Joe Biden's secretary uh, of the Treasury, uh, Janet Yellen, indicated on Tuesday that corporate tax cuts have benefited the competitiveness of U.S. companies. And she said, although the corporate tax cuts, I think, did improve competitiveness of American businesses, and the President-elect Biden is not proposing to raise the corporate tax rate To the level before the act, it's very important that corporations and wealthy individuals pay their fair share, Uh, she said before the Senate Finance Committee. uh, She told the committee that she considers the trade with China is critical to the U.S. economy, but intends to continue to hold the country accountable for its stealing of intellectual property and its weak standards for labor and environmental practice in its uh, production capacity. Uh, she did say, clearly, it's uh, China is our most important strategic competitor. Uh, she also said that the uh, U.S. must work with global and, and regional allies to compel China to change parts of its abusive systems. You know, internment camps, yeah, that's probably a good start. Um, and uh, she confirmed that uh, the top priority will be to push for a significant uh, stimulus package to help Americans struggling financially during the coronavirus pandemic. So let's so, hope she's taking a shot at China here a little bit. A couple things from Janet Yellen. So I heard a little bit of her today. And um, the big takeaway, well, a couple things. Now, number one, if you don't think that your taxes are going up. I'm not really sure what to tell you, corporate or otherwise, um, because that's absolutely going to happen. 
corporate tax rate's probably going to go back to 28. I don't, I mean, I don't know exactly what she said, but I know for sure he campaigned on doing it. Um, he also campaigned on getting rid of the Trump tax cuts. So now you can get into the minutia of, well, I'm not raising your taxes if I, if I get rid of his tax cuts, but I mean, try and rationalize yeah, that. I, I'm not really sure what to tell you. Your taxes are going up. And then the other big takeaway from Yellen is, um, and Paul, you'll have interest in this since you're um, we're hedged, we are well hedged against this, is um, she, she's all for stimulus spending like we probably haven't even seen yet. And look at where we're at, $28 trillion in fiscal operating debt, two, three, four, five hundred trillion in unfunded liabilities. And there she is today going, well, you know, rates are low. So if you're going to go, go big. So he's talking about 1.9 trillion here to start. I mean, you could very well see. I'll go down on record now here, whatever this is, mark the tape, G. And the Republicans will have no say about no say about it. You could see a four five trillion dollar single spending bill in this administration in the first two years, easily. Maybe in the first year after this one. I wouldn't be surprised to see them go some astronomical number with every left-wing uh, radical thing they can throw in there. Green knew this and Green knew that and, and uh, universal basic income and extent. I mean, it'll be just, you'll see a number on something coming up here that you've probably never even thought of as, as she gives him the green light. Saying, hey, if you're going to go, go big. And um, and she's on board with the, I heard her talk about the, on board with the raising the minimum wage, which again, it's just, you have to, you have to check, your, yeah. check your sanity and, and, mm. and just brain power at the door when you walk in on this conversation, given that businesses, most businesses, we'll just take restaurants as for an example. Number one, a third of them have closed, never going to reopen. But the ones that have been hanging on for dear life, you're going to first thing, here's the first thing. Um, we're going to raise <laughs> the minimum wage to 15 bucks. And then we're going to raise the cost of a hamburger to seven. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, and there's Janet Yellen saying, well, no, it'll, it'll, it'll help take some people out of poverty, but it's going to, whatever the <laughs> number of people it's going to take out of poverty, it's going to put more than that um, number of businesses and people out of work permanently. And I can remember back, I don't know exactly how many years ago, but Janet Yellen was part of a big study, I believe, that was on the opposite side of this argument, saying, well, we all like to just immediately think raising the minimum wage is a good thing, but actually the, the proof is that it's really not for small businesses and the type of businesses that end up going out of business because of it and the type of jobs and the type of people who are looking for these jobs, usually first-time kids going into the workforce, working at a whatever. So much is learned in those first jobs, how to communicate with people, how to become responsible. Oh, at, yeah. And there's just going to be no place for those kids. It's terrible. Yep. You think about your first job, whether it was at a McDonald's or Burger King or a, the restaurant growing up, Denny's or a pizza joint or wherever you were. Sporting goods store. Wherever it was. Uh, you think job. about your life at the time as a 16-year, 17-year-old. Yep. The difference between whatever eight bucks we were making and let's say it was 12 or 15, 
maybe I would have appreciated the difference, but I certainly would have appreciated the fact that the owner would have said, well, we can't keep open at this, so we're going to close. And I didn't have no job. I mean, it's just, especially coming out of a time like this, the first thing, oh, we're going to, well, if you're Google, you could do this. If you're Twitter, you could do it. If you're Apple, no problem. Okay, 15 bucks or whatever it is, we'll put it on the balance sheet and it's just, we'll figure it out. If you're, um, if you're the library cafe on the corner of um, Main Street and whatever, how are you going to do that? You're not. You're going to close. Not only that, Damon, you're talking about, you know, the library cafe or, or whatever your business name on that corner. You've already been closed down for nine months, 10 months. Yeah. You've already sustained a, a, a near wipeout. And now they want to help usher in more of a wipeout by pushing you to, to take on uh, 15 bucks an hour, which, of course, is going to raise taxes, uh, which, of course, is going to push more people out the door. So, uh, yeah, we might pull some people, a couple people out of poverty, maybe make them slightly less impoverished. But you're pushing all those other people that are now have to close and lose those jobs. Oh, they're brand new to poverty now. So welcome to the party, pal. And we talked about last year, you've print, we've printed what? A fiat currency that's currently in circulation, 24% of it we printed in one year. Yeah, it's impressive. We could, if we really try hard, we could do it again this year. And every oh, dollar we're going to do it again this oh, yeah. year. And every dollar you saved is worth half of what it was. Yeah. Just do the math. And inflation is, um, <laughs> well, it's not even, I talk about it like you let it, when it cuts out of the bottle, the bottle's going to explode. It's not going to be like the cap comes off and it starts to eke out and then you're trying to forget it. The whole thing's just going to explode and it's going to be here. Well, good gallon thing of milk's have... going to be $30. Well, at least we have the Great Reset waiting in the wings. So they'll introduce this savior currency. It'll be global. It'll be worldwide. It'll be digital. And it will never let us down. That'll be the way they pitch it to us. They'll sell it to us as this incredible safety net that with the global economy and the way the world is, is working together, that one global currency will always be stable. We don't have to worry about inflation ever again. That's how they'll pitch it, just like they did in 1913, the way they did it in 71 they, when they went, we went to the petrodollar. It's, you know, it's, the, it's the same thing. The fact that we have 50 years out of this currency is mind-boggling. It's mind-boggling. And you always say, of course, all the problems stem at the Federal Reserve. And the central bankers, IMF, BIS, it's the central bankers are the root of all this evil. Always has been, always will be. There's no stopping them. That's why when I call it deep state, deep state, it's the central bankers who hold everyone. The old politicians are little tiny puppets at the bottom of the rung. Well, no, we are. I'm sorry, we're the puppets at the bottom of the rung. I forgot. Sorry, let me get my gray jumpsuit and shut up. All right, the president, part one, coming up. We'll do more news. What even is that? Sports, lots to do. Live from Studio 6B on a Tuesday. Studio 6B on a Tuesday night. Glad you're in. Paul's going to do some more news. 
Rick Delgado has What Even Is That coming up. Rick Emirati's going to do some sports. Um, so the president, as we talked about, gave his for- farewell address today around 4 o'clock, and nobody really covered it. It was out there, and if you, you had to go searching for it. None of the mainstream media that I, I could tell even remotely gave it. They certainly didn't play it in its entirety from what I, from what I saw. Um, and it's a speech when I watched it and listened to it. I listen, I've listened to it actually twice now. And it reminds me of why we, you know, if you're conservative, you support and you're America first and constitution, you're going to miss this president. Um, you know, you're not going to, you know, maybe you'll miss his Twitter and stuff like that. And you know, some of it was amusing, but you're going to miss him because he was a fierce defender of the country and of and what the country stands for and what the country was founded on and what our founders so brilliantly put in place. He was a fierce defender of that. Um, that is what to me comes through in this speech. So here's part one of the president today. Roll it, G. My fellow Americans, four years ago, we launched a great national effort to rebuild our country, to renew its spirit, and to restore the allegiance of this government to its citizens. In short, we embarked on a mission to make America great again for all Americans. As I conclude my term as the 45th President of the United States, I stand before you truly proud of what we have achieved together. We did what we came here to do, and so much more. This week, we inaugurate a new administration and pray for its success in keeping America safe and prosperous. We extend our best wishes, and we also want them to have luck, a very important word. I'd like to begin by thanking just a few of the amazing people who made our remarkable journey possible. First, let me express my overwhelming gratitude for the love and support of our spectacular First Lady, Melania. Let me also share my deepest appreciation to my daughter, Ivanka, my son-in-law, Jared, and to Baron, Don, Eric, Tiffany, and Lara. You fill my world with light and with joy. I also want to thank Vice President Mike Pence, his wonderful wife, Karen, and the entire Pence family. Thank you as well to my Chief of Staff, Mark Meadows, the dedicated members of the White House staff, and the Cabinet, and all of the incredible people across our administration who poured out their heart and soul to fight for America. I also want to take a moment to thank a truly exceptional group of people, the United States Secret Service. My family and I will forever be in your debt. My profound gratitude as well to everyone in the White House military office, the teams of Marine One and Air Force One, every member of the armed forces, and state and local law enforcement all across our country. Most of all, I want to thank the American people. To serve as your president has been an honor beyond description. Thank you for this extraordinary privilege. And that's what it is, a great privilege and a great honor. We must never forget that while Americans will always have our disagreements, We are a nation of incredible, decent, faithful, and peace-loving citizens 
who all want our country to thrive and flourish and be very, very successful and good. We are a truly magnificent nation. All Americans were horrified by the assault on our capital. Political violence is an attack on everything we cherish as Americans. It can never be tolerated. Now more than ever, we must unify around our shared values and rise above the partisan rancor and forge our common destiny. Four years ago, I came to Washington as the only true outsider ever to win the presidency. I had not spent my career as a politician, but as a builder looking at open skylines and imagining infinite possibilities. I ran for president because I knew there were towering new summits for America just waiting to be scaled. I knew the potential for our nation was boundless as long as we put America first. So I left behind my former life and stepped into a very difficult arena, but an arena nevertheless with all sorts of potential, if properly done. America had given me so much, and I wanted to give something back. Together with millions of hardworking patriots across this land, we built the greatest political movement in the history of our country. We also built the greatest economy in the history of the world. It was about America first because we all wanted to make America great again. We restored the principle that a nation exists to serve its citizens. Our agenda was not about right or left. It wasn't about Republican or Democrat, but about the good of a nation. And that means the whole nation. With the support and prayers of the American people, we achieved more than anyone thought possible. Nobody thought we could even come close. We passed the largest package of tax cuts and reforms in American history. We slashed more job-killing regulations than any administration had ever done before. We fixed our broken trade deals, withdrew from the horrible Trans-Pacific Partnership and the impossible Paris Climate Accord, renegotiated the one-sided South Korea deal, and we replaced NAFTA with the groundbreaking USMCA. That's Mexico and Canada, a deal that's worked out very, very well. Also, and very importantly, we imposed historic and monumental tariffs on China, made a great new deal with China, but before the ink was even dry, we and the whole world got hit with the China virus. Our trade relationship was rapidly changing. Billions and billions of dollars were pouring into the U.S., but the virus forced us to go in a different direction. The whole world suffered, but America outperformed other countries economically because of our incredible economy and the economy that we built. Without the foundations and footings, it wouldn't have worked out this way. We wouldn't have some of the best numbers we've ever had. We also unlocked our energy resources and became the world's number one producer of oil and natural gas, by far. Powered by these policies, we built the greatest economy in the history of the world, we reignited America's job creation and achieved record-low unemployment for African-Americans, Hispanic-Americans, Asian-Americans, women, almost everyone. Income soared, wages boomed, the American dream was restored, and millions were lifted from poverty in just a few short years. 
It was a miracle. Stock market set one record after another with 148 stock market highs during this short period of time and boosted the retirements and pensions of hardworking citizens all across our nation. 401ks are at a level they've never been at before. We've never seen numbers like we've seen. And that's before the pandemic and after the pandemic. We rebuilt the American manufacturing base, opened up thousands of new factories, and brought back the beautiful phrase, made in the USA. To make life better for working families, we doubled the child tax credit and signed the largest ever expansion of funding for child care and development. We joined with the private sector to secure commitments to train more than 16 million American workers for the jobs of tomorrow. When our nation was hit with the terrible pandemic, we produced not one, but two vaccines with record-breaking speed, and more will quickly follow. They said it couldn't be done, but we did it. They called it a medical miracle, and that's what they're calling it right now, a medical miracle. Another administration would have taken three, four, five, maybe even up to 10 years to develop a vaccine. We did it in nine months. We grieve for every life lost, and we pledge in their memory to wipe out this horrible pandemic once and for all. When the virus took its brutal toll on the world's economy, we launched the fastest economic recovery our country has ever seen. We passed nearly $4 trillion in economic relief, saved or supported over 50 million jobs, and slashed the unemployment rate in half. These are numbers that our country has never seen before. We created choice and transparency in healthcare, stood up to Big Pharma in so many ways, but especially in our effort to get favored nations clauses added, which will give us the lowest prescription drug prices anywhere in the world. We passed VA choice, VA accountability, right to try, and landmark criminal justice reform. We confirmed three new justices of the United States Supreme Court. We appointed nearly 300 federal judges to interpret our Constitution as written. For years, the American people pleaded with Washington to finally secure the nation's borders. I am pleased to say we answered that plea and achieved the most secure border in U.S. history. We have given our brave border agents and heroic ICE officers the tools they need to do their jobs better than they have ever done before, and to enforce our laws and keep America safe. We proudly leave the next administration with the strongest and most robust border security measures ever put into place. This includes historic agreements with Mexico, Guatemala, Honduras, and El Salvador, along with more than 450 miles of powerful new wall we restored American strength at home and American leadership abroad. The world respects us again. Please don't lose that respect. Well, I don't know if we're going to lose the respect, but we're certainly going to have to take a different approach on immigration. That's for sure. We know that. As um, some of the people Biden are going to, Biden's going to look to put in are already talking about Number one, taking a look at any structures that were put up should even remain. Now, think about that position. 
Never mind continuing to spend and put up the money that's already been designated for the wall for whatever mileage is left to put up. Could you imagine the position of saying, well, I think we're going we're gonna to take this down, make it easier, for, uh, or make it harder for our border enforcement? I mean, don't, don't rule anything out at this point with these people. Because uh, if, you're, if your first sign is going to be 11 million granting them on day one a pathway to citizenship, and you've got caravans coming through countries that, quite frankly, some of these other countries are, have maybe harsher policies against keeping um, these people out than, than we might ha- start having. So, um, president did a lot of good work. And there's some conservatives, by the way, that would say the president didn't do a great job. Could have been much stauncher uh, and tougher at the border. But I think when we look back on what's coming now, the president's going to have looked like um, pretty staunch at the border. All right, part two will play for you in the next hour. Sports coming up. What even is that? More news. Lots to do. Glad you're in on a Tuesday night on Real America's Voice. Studio 6B on a Tuesday night, Real America's Voice, Dish Network, Channel 219, Pluto TV, Channel 240, 6bshirts.com. If you want that live from Studio 6B shirt, man, it's a good-looking shirt. The Joe Biden shirts are still available as well. The um, Declaration of Independence one, still my favorite. You know the thing. Uh, there's a couple, there's a bunch of good ones there. Good crazy town stuff, 6bshirts.com if you want to pick up your shirt. I'd put Rick's suit up for sale if we could duplicate that, <laughs> but I don't think that's going to work. But what we can do is sports right now with uh, Rick Amorati. What's going on, pal? Hey, Big D, on that theme, uh, we got a little tweet here from Proud American at Mr. Cody. He said, sorry, Damon, but if you wore Slick Rick's orange suit, you'd look like a big pumpkin. Just saying. <laughs> Who, <laughs> who's, oh, is that funny, Rick uh, Delgado? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh boy! I don't think uh, you would yeah, so. actually look more like a pumpkin patch. <laughs> oh, yeah, you know, you're a jerk. Come on. Guys. All right, let's do All right, sports here. Let's get this here we back go. on track. All right, NCAA men's basketball. Right now, good game. Ohio State number 15 ranked <laughs> against Purdue, 64-64, late second quarter. Tennessee over Florida right now. Actually, check that. Florida 55 and number five Tennessee 42. That's also in the second half and. Maryland right now is trailing Michigan 70 to 47. That's, My wife saw alma mater, Maryland, the, ter- the Terrapins. Yeah, look, they're getting wiped out tonight, but uh, maybe they'll yeah, come back. That's because they suck at sports, as I tell her all the time. And she basically usually flips me the bird and says, go out, get out of here. But 
In, in NHL action, Big D right now, the New Jersey Devils over the Rangers, 3-2, to two, late second period. In fact, all these games are second period. Panthers over the Blackhawks, 3-2. to two. Senators, 3-1 to one over the Jets. Sabres and Flyers tied nothing-nothing. Capitals are leading the Penguins, 4-3. to three, And the Blue Jackets and Red Wings are tied at one. Again, all mid to late second period. And a little uh, late uh, breaking news this evening before we came on the show. Hall of Fame pitcher Don Sutton passed away at 75 years old. Uh, His son Darren announced uh, earlier today the former Major League right-hander was uh, 75 years old. Sutton had a storied career with the Dodgers, Angels, Brewers, Astros, and Athletics from 1966 to 88. Uh, Most of his time in the majors, 16 years, was spent with the Dodgers, with whom he amassed 233 of his 324 regular season victories. The Dodgers retired Sutton's number in 1998. And sadly, I'm going to report that we've lost seven Hall of Famers in the last calendar year, which is uh, quite a big number. Uh, We we normally don't lose that many in one year. So a lot of greats have, have left us. Um, and Kansas City Chief Patrick Mahomes, we're going to keep an eye on his status. Big game. We got Championship Sunday. We'll get more into that later in the week. We'll certainly be looking forward to Damon's picks and Paul's picks and Rick's picks. Let me um, let me assure everybody right now that um, Patrick Mahomes is going to play. I don't care what anyone tries to tell me. Unless he falls into a wood chipper. (laughs) There is is 0% chance that anyone's going to be honest about his... He's going to be perfect. Don't you worry. He will be perfect according to the team no matter what because they have zero chance of winning the game without him. He is going to be perfect and he's going to play. So let's just put that to bed now. No Chad Henny uh, miracles. No, no, zero <laughs> okay. chance. There Come is on. zero chance of that. Come on, uh, anything can happen, Damon. Well, yeah. uh, you well, know, just to follow up here, it's impossible. Michigan to... would disagree. Yeah. It's impo- <laughs> Yeah, that's true. It's impossible to put a timetable on Mahomes' return. The NFL's concussion. <laughs> okay, yeah, sure. Well, listen, we got to yeah. go through the N- N- let's, NFL's yeah. concussion protocol. They have their protocol. He's got to be cleared, as I said last night, yeah. by an independent doctor, not just the Chiefs doctor. So, you know, okay. but it seems like it's more of a neck injury. Um, you know, they haven't been completely clean with it, but it seems like he got more of a neck injury. He got mm-hmm. the wind knocked out of him. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And this game's I- when? This game is Sunday, Sunday afternoon, Big Dick. Sunday yeah. afternoon. Do we have a time? That's the 640 game. Okay, That's 6 o'clock, game. he'll be cleared. Don't yeah. you worry. <laughs> and his girlfriend said he's, he seems okay. Okay. Yeah, there and um, there you go. a little more NFL news. Sarah Thomas to become first woman to officiate at the Super Bowl. Sarah Thomas will next month become the first woman to officiate a Super Bowl, the NFL announced Tuesday. Thomas will serve as a down judge on referee Carl Sheffer's crew at Super Bowl 55 in Tampa, Florida. Thomas joined the NFL in 2015 as its first female on-field official. The league assembles its Super Bowl officiating crew based on eligibility. A minimum of five years of experience is required, as well as in-season performance. She has worked a total of four postseason games in six seasons with the league. In a statement, NFL Executive uh, Vice President of Football Operations Troy Vincent said, Sarah Thomas has made history again as the first female Super Bowl official. Her elite performance and commitment to excellence has earned her the right to officiate the Super Bowl. Congratulations to Sarah on this well-deserved honor. Yeah, so, okay. Great. You know why she's going to be that? Because she does a good job. Yeah. Not, not be- I mean, people will, everybody will clap and, and point to the fact that uh, somehow this is some kind of a sexist thing because she's a one. No, she's no. probably the best. She's the best qualified to be there. Trust me, if she was calling pass interferences and the ball wasn't even getting there and she was calling plays that uh, 
she wouldn't be there. She's there because she's doing a fantastic job and she's the most qualified. Absolutely. Which is the only reason she should be there. And, and while we're on the subject of Super Bowl Big D, national yeah. anthem singers for Super Bowl 55 revealed. The NFL announced Tuesday who will perform the national anthem before Super Bowl 55 at Raymond James Stadium on February 7th. Okay, this Graham, is important because it's going to be, you know, Michelle over, Obama. Or under, over or under on the timing. <laughs> no. So we, gotta, we <laughs> no. can just get a couple guesses. No. Uh, Grammy Award-nominated artists Eric Church and Jasmine Sullivan will team up for the first time. Never heard of either of them. Yeah. Well, well, you Eric never Church. heard of the chief? Come Eric on, Church. Eric Church. Come on now. Oh, wait, is that the guy who was on Yellowstone? <laughs> no, Eric Church is a country singer. Yeah. Oh, he's not an actor. He's fantastic. Oh, he's I don't know a... who she is, but and it's a duet. Uh, yes, they're going to be teaming up together, and then her will sing America the Beautiful. Her is an, a younger uh, kind of a... Uh, oh, so she's voice. doing America Beautiful. He's doing the Star Spangled Banner. No. No. No, no, no. Eric Church and Jasmine Sullivan will be doing the national anthem. They're doing the black national her anthem. Will be, her, the singer, her, separately, Big D, yeah. will sing Oh, the girl America in the picture, the her. Yeah. Wait, uh, no, her, her name is her. Is her, her is the artist. She separate is her. artist. What about him? What is he going to say? Is he doing the national He's anthem? He's him singing him. He's going to be singing him. Who's on first? <laughs> hey, Church is a country, country music uh, singer-songwriter whose resume includes seven Academy of Country Music Awards and four <laughs> Country Music Association Awards. <laughs> All right, Big D. I'm fine. Third I'm base. Fine. Go and ahead. listen, The Weeknd was previously announced as the halftime show this year. Weekend is a great artist, very hot in, the top, in Bill. What? The Weeknd. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, you put me on. Come on. You never heard of the weekend, Paul? And the her. You put me on. Big D, that's a wrap in sports. I'll try it again <laughs> in this next segment. <laughs> I got a great story about the New York Mets GM. I know Paul's going to appreciate that one. Okay. Oh, God. <laughs> All right, uh, we'll get to that. I think I know that story, where it's going. I mean, I just, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't what, know. What, please. Well, I know we'll get to the story, but I know what the story is. And I, I mean, I just don't. It's you know, hard. To fathom. Yeah. 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 Sure exactly, right. Paul. All right, let's do a little news here before the end of the segment, Paul Nolan. We've got about a minute and a half or so. What do we got? So I'll, I'll just do the quick hitter. We mentioned, should I do the, uh, I want to talk, my, my pillow is getting beat up again. Mike Liddell said on January 18th that his company recently was notified of its of the discontinuance uh, with uh, Kohl's, Bed Bath & Beyond, and no longer to carry his products. And they said in a statement that, their, his products had underperformed, and uh, that has nothing to do with his political beliefs. And uh, you know, he doesn't believe that. Uh, he said the decision was like purely um, made based on performance and looking for new products. Uh, Cole didn't uh, respond to it. Wayfair also said they're not going to carry his products. Yeah. But uh, you know, and also uh, Sleeping Giant also uh, said they'll stop pushing his products too, all based on performance. So. I don't know if that's true story. Of course it's not true. It's based on his uh, going to the White House recently and coming out and his notes getting, uh, you know, the picture from the photographer. And what also doesn't help is help him is he went all in with, you know, Lynn Wood and Sidney Powell. And if you notice today, Sidney Powell, what did she do? She uh, tried to put the Kraken back in the Kraken as she dropped her own lawsuit in Georgia very quietly. And um, so... You, you, you kind of ride the horse you came in on, and that's not too helpful right now yeah. when those two horses, um, you know, had a photo finish for which one was more insane. That's the problem.
Hi, live from Studio 6B on a Tuesday night. Real America's Voice, Dish Network, Channel 219, Pluto TV, Channel 240. Paul Nolan's here. It's going to do some more news. Rick Emirati's going to do some more sports. Rick Delgado's doing a what even is that here coming up in a second. I've got part two of the president's really excellent speech today. Uh, we'll do that at the bottom of the hour. I've got some other things to get to. I have a clip. I have a crazy town too, by the way. I have, I have a clip from one of the um, political, chief political reporters. I believe that's his title. David chalian on cnn today that i'm almost embarrassed that it if if this actually went to air that's how bad this is i mean this i mean we talk about i joked with john solomon about biden doing his first press conference on the 14th of february so that the um you know that they could bring chocolates and uh, you know kiss them and do what they want to do what do you mean by but that? this is so <laughs> You're talking about the GM. Oh, sorry. This is so unbelievable. You're not going to, you're actually not going to believe it. I don't think, but this is a real clip. So we'll, we'll play that after what even is that? So right now it's time for my favorite segment here on the show. One of my favorite segments. And that of course is, um, what's your name? Rick Delgado with what (laughs) even is that? (laughs) All right there, pumpkin boy. (laughs) Shut up. Patch. That was funny. Hey, I know I've said this before about, you know, uh, how we've waded into the deep end of absurdity, but now I think we've taken a bold new step into drowning in our own stupidity. Yes, and, it, and it's all been led by the left and the deep state media. Of course, uh, now would be a good time to hold on to your britches, kids. And just so you know, I have no idea what britches are, but just hold on to them. Yeah. All right. If you got them, uh, because now it seems that the famous meme, I don't know if you heard, have you heard of this guy, Pepe the Frog? No. Yeah. Well, he's been elevated now from meme status to full on symbol of hate. What? Yes. Wait, what? Whereas Pepe Le Pew from Bugs Bunny was, you know, defined as a serial rapist trying to break off a piece, <laughs> according to cancel culture Karens around the country, today, Pepe the Frog is the latest to ascend and hold the mantle of world's most disgusting symbol of white supremacy. Come on. Who knew? Yeah. If you don't know what, what Pepe is, let me give you a little context. Pepe is an internet meme consisting of, as you've seen there, a green anthropomorphic frog. I can't believe I said that right. uh, With a humanoid body. It originated in 2005 from a comic created by Matt Fury called Boys Club. It became an internet meme when it it popularly grew on MySpace of all places. Okay. So now, now that you got that, there are different types of Pepe, including sad frog, smug frog, and angry Pepe. All right. There's even a documentary, get this, called feels good man about peppy and how this all happened so now that you have that with everything that you've seen right everything that we've seen from i don't know trump on rocky to to hulk trump (laughs) right once someone takes something like peppy and makes trump so now there's peppy trump the left now freaks the f out so now that's that, that that the left has deemed it a symbol of hate now it must be eradicated and if you don't believe me, if you don't believe me, ah, there's evidence. According to this Fox News DC segment, they have equated Pepe's face as hate speech against, wait for it, Bernie Sanders. 
the American communist senator out of Vermont. Yeah, you can't make this stuff up. Check out this piece of propaganda. We've been talking a lot about white supremacy after the storming of the U.S. Capitol, but what about some of the associated symbols? D.C. police are investigating one you may have seen but didn't know about before. Fox 5 is not showing the image in this report. Stephanie Ramirez yeah, has more from it. the Navy Yard neighborhood. Now watch we don't this. know when this happened, but we do know on Saturday, one of the artists who painted the Bernie Sanders mural behind me here, this is on H Street Southeast underneath one of the 395 underpasses, they found a cartoon frog painted on the mural. And not long after <gasps> Look, the police they, they blurred it here, out we're told because they contacted it's so the dangerous to see. <laughs> Can you believe it? So, so what they're telling America is that someone painted over a communist Bernie Sanders with the face of a green cartoon frog and the police there were contacted along with the Anti-Defamation League. Oh, no. Yeah. What even is that? Really? Someone painted this frog picture over the face of a communist that's and that's what got you people upset? So upset, I guess the Anti-Defamation League is now doing graffiti over commie cartoon cases, and the news wouldn't show it. That's why they blurred it out, because it's so dangerous. Well, that's okay, because we will. Ladies and gentlemen, I now present to you your viewing pleasure, Pepe Sanders. Yep, there he is. Like I said earlier, we are now drowning in the stupidity <laughs> of the left, and this is just the latest example. And this is when the little kid in me comes out. And, uh, you know, yeah. thinks, well, if something's funny and it's bad and you tell me it's bad, well, that just makes me want to laugh at it more and do it more. So here's what I think we should do. Even if you don't know, didn't know what Peppy was up until now, it makes no difference. Why? I think we need to save Peppy. Yes. And the best way to do that is to make it rain peppies or dance peppies or whatever peppies you got. Attach it to everything you can. Make it your profile pic, buy a t-shirt. If you really want to go hog wild, hey, name your newborn kid Peppy. Okay. Maybe that's a bit too far, but I think you see where I'm going here. Everyone should go peppy crazy and drive the censors in the news media, social media, and even the Karens in your neighborhood peppy crazy. Why? Because it'll remind them that they're nuts. This also reminds me of the fun we used to have, uh, a show called The ONA Show, back with a wow sign, way back in the day. Do you see it dancing right there on the screen? How you doing there, Katie Carrick? There's a wow sign. Uh, or use a Baba Booey kind of tactic and get Peppy out there any way you can. Look. Emerging racist ideology known as the alt-right. Did you hear it? <laughs> 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 Why not? We cannot let the dictate uh, let the let let the left dictate all the terms of our existence and draw and destroy all the fun. Just because we supported Trump and like something or find something funny or want to patronize a certain business does not make that wrong, and it doesn't make us racist. And just like this hand sig signal went from meaning okay to some right wing thing just because someone that voted for Trump does it. Um, even though, I don't know, far left liberals like to do it too. Maybe, just maybe, there isn't some nefarious underlying meaning to everything out there. Maybe it's just, it means what it means. Okay? All right, Peppy. Save Peppy. Yeah, save Peppy. Peppy. Okay, Rick Delgado. So I have a With question. a story that I'm, I'm just baffled on. As I'm actually looking it up as you're doing this. <laughs> I bet you Gio and Fran will know. Now, 
do I have this correct that that uh, Pepe started as like on like 4chan as a way to troll the left or well, like the cancel culture? Like it just started as a goof in a way just to kind of like like make this benign frog into something that it isn't just to watch people go crazy. Is that did I ever hear that right or no? Because I'm not up on the culture of. Well, places like 4chan are definitely known for trolling and just trying to get reactions out of people. But it, it definitely was commandeered from a comic that had nothing to do with any of this. Yeah. So it, the it, Daily it, the Daily Mail has a long story about this today. D.C. police <laughs> investigate vandalism of Bernie Sanders mural as a hate crime after it was defaced with alt-right. Peppy the Frog, it says. D.C. police confirmed their investigation into the vandalism of the mural. Artists felt that the defacement may have been motivated by hate or political bias. <laughs> that, I think it's just trolling. I'm certain of it. In recent years, Peppy the Frog has become associated with the alt-right. The vandalism of a mural of Bernie Sanders in Washington, D.C. that was defaced with a picture of Peppy the Frog is being investigated as a hate crime. Um, that said that it was not clear exactly when the mural was defaced with a police report listing December 15th, 2020 to January 14th as the possible time frame. Police were called to investigate the vandalism on Sunday by one of the artists who felt that the defacement may be motivated by hate or bias of political or religious affiliation. According to this report in Fox five in recent years, the cartoon image of a frog known as Pepe has become associated with the alt-right or white supremacist groups. Members of such groups co-opted the image as an expression of their views, spreading it on the internet forums, such as, well, this says 8chan. I don't know, 4chan. This says well, 4chan got shut down. Yeah, and, 4chan and, was first. And Reddit. Obviously... Obviously, Pepe was created in a very innocent way. Anti-Defamation League Vice President and Head of Washington ADL Office Duran Erickson told the news outlet. However, he said that the cartoon has become synonymous with the rise of the alt-right and other hate groups. Uh, do you have the video, G, of what was going on in New York City last night? While we're talking about a frog... <laughs> painted I, I think it says something new york city last night um oh, you i put i put a video in the box that's entitled new york city last night i don't know if we have it as i'm sitting here with <laughs> all the time that's being TV. put into, into this <laughs> i'm wondering if um we have the video of what was going on in new york city last night to kind of compare and contrast which was pretty insane. Like when you see the footage of last night in New York City, it and it was barely on the local news too. Yeah, they were suppressing. You can play that. it if you have it, G. It's B-roll. There's no sound. So this was this was what was going on in New York City last night. This is Black Lives Matter protesters in New York City. Now, um, I didn't really see a lot of articles here in the Daily Mail about this last night. Um. But we're worried about a frog that I mm -hmm. guess has been associated with. Now, I wonder if the National Guard's going to get called into New York City for this. This this looks like somewhat like incitement, right? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. 
This was last night. Now, it, it's interesting because, I mean, Biden goes in tomorrow, right? Yeah, what do they protest? This is their right? guy. Their guy is going in tomorrow. And what's also interesting to think about is, you remember what Washington, D.C. looked like? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. On um, November, um, what was the day before the election or whatever it was? The third, the fourth? Yeah, it looked like Beirut. The second? Second. The, uh, you, couldn't find, you couldn't find anything to board up at a Home Depot or a Lowe's. If you, if you drove for 100 miles, it was all on every window in New York. I mean, in, in Washington, D.C. They boarded up. Well, why did they do that? But, um, but the president saying we're going to march down to the Capitol is the incitement that we'll never hear the end of. And people will be painted with this broad brush forever, at least for the next couple of years. I heard someone try to make the argument that this puts the Republicans now in a deep hole for the in two years for the midterms Studio 6B on a Tuesday night, Real America's Voice. Paul's going to do some more news, but first, we've got a couple things I want to do. Crazy Town's number one. It's my new favorite um, elected official. Of course, he's not in the United States. He's from Canada. This is um, Doug Ford, who is the premier of Ontario. And good old Doug has got some ideas on how he'll deal with Pfizer and getting these vaccines distributed. Here it is. Uh, roll that, G. Yeah. yeah. I'd be up that guy's yin-yang so far with a firecracker, he wouldn't know what hit him from Pfizer. <laughs> I would, would not stop until we get these vaccines. Yeah, I'd be up that guy's yin-yang so far with a firecracker, <laughs> he wouldn't know what hit him. Okay. Here's Doug. Doug's got some good ideas. <laughs> So Doug will be up his yin-yang with a firecracker so fast. He'll get these. Uh, what do you think about that strategy, Paul? Uh, I think they're actually going to try to implement it. <laughs> okay, <good. laughs> okay, so that's uh, that's crazy time. I'm just glad he didn't say he was going to use like a tranquilizer gun just to get people on the bus. The no, train. no, 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 no. He's going to be up that guy's yin-yang with a firecracker, Paul. Come on. <laughs> well, if you're going to be anywhere. Yeah. Now, now that's that. his brother was Rob Ford. Oh, yeah. Crazy old Rob Ford. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> oh, man. You love those guys. Come on. Uh, so David Chalian, I swear this is real. I, I really think this went to air. Is the, um, on CNN, he covers the White House, po- political strategist here on CNN, David Chalian. And uh, he was on air today. <laughs> I just, there's no setup needed here. Let's just, this is, this is his take on um, what we're going to see here in the next uh, 24 hours. Go ahead, G. 
There's still some uh, tinkering going on with the inaugural address, but his aides are, are, have made really clear it's not like he's trying to ignore or paper over uh, either what happened at the Capitol two weeks ago or what we've been through uh, throughout four years of the Trump presidency. And the contrast on display tonight was so stark. I mean, those lights that are that are just shooting out from the Lincoln Memorial uh, along the reflecting pool, it, I look, it's like almost... Uh, extensions of Joe Biden's arms embracing <laughs> America. It was a moment where the new Come president came to town on. and sort of Come convened on. the country in this moment of remembrance, uh, outstretching on, his arms. And contrast that with that video you just saw of a disgraced president I'm on his way out don't at see his Hunter trying to point, light up a, a uh, in crack his pipe on some of those lights. At the very end here, uh, by himself, uh, fighting for uh, his political movement to live on and not even necessarily promising uh, that he's going to be leading that movement, uh, you noted in, in his remarks tonight. I, I just peppy? think that sort of isolated. <laughs> wow. How was that not crazy? Dan? The lights <laughs> on the National Mall reflecting pools are like an extension of Joe Biden's arms. His frail, spindly, <laughs> <laughs> creepy, ported, yeah. Yeah. blonde head that, that curls is, up when uh, the sun hits it. So much, so much journalism going on on CNN. <laughs> yes. There he's you like, go. He's like Chris Matthews getting that, that chill up his yeah, leg. Yes. Yes. Ugh. Yes. What a loser. Welcome to 2021 through 2024. Ugh. There you go. That's what you're going to... That is the encapsulation of what the reporting is going to be like. There you go. David Chalian. An extension Good of... Heaven like help Joe us. Biden's reaching out across yes. the... Into your pocket to take all your money. <laughs> Putting his arms around any, any female around oh him and trying God. to sniff her. I just... I can't Let's wait to go. see. I'm almost looking forward to the press conference on Wednesday just to see. <laughs> just on. to see what possibly could they slobber over this guy worse than, let's say, that. Wait, Rick, uh, Rick, you know, Rock and Mike said to me, he goes, at least it's better than the chill running down Chris Matthews' legs well, about Obama. Yeah, it's the same thing. That's what Rick just <laughs> said. Just like, said. <laughs> exactly. Oh, sorry. Same I didn't thing. Hear you. Chris <laughs> Matthews. I've, yeah. Well, so there you go. That's what you can expect from the media in their, in their fierce reporting of Joe Biden. They're going to ask serious questions about policy because they want to get the, on a, you know, they want to get the news to you, the viewer, and they want to extrapolate lots of information through their questioning of the president and his people about what we're doing. Gee, did you notice that the lights looked, <laughs> I mean, oh God. <laughs> All right, let's do some news here with uh, Paul Nolan. What's going on, Paul? So uh, Twitter shares keep falling after the Trump ban. Uh, as of Monday, around 12.30 a.m., the San Francisco-based company stock was trading at $45, dropping about 50.5% uh, uh, earlier days. Okay, so I'm sorry. Forgive me. I just uh, jumped in. So, okay, on January 6th, during the joint sessions of Congress, the company shares were trading at 53 
And uh, last week, CNBC analyst uh, Jim Cramus warned that Twitter stock could slide even further because of the Trump ban. And uh, apparently it has. The investor place noted that there are concerns that the potential ripple effect of the company banning President Trump from its platform could lead to another drop in the shares. And the site noted that users will likely leave Twitter for other platforms out of fears of censorship, which is uh, one of the reasons why... You know, our audience keeps telling us they're over at other places like Telegram and Gab. and So Twitter stock today is at 45.93. And if I look at the, uh, the one-month chart, it was um, at one point of about 60 bucks. Wow. Yeah. Now, Jack Dorsey can talk about whatever he wants to. But Jack Dorsey has a fiduciary responsibility to shareholders. So it, it, it actually is an interesting it will be it may become interesting if the stock continues to dive because you would think the board of directors and the shareholders are gonna say, um, hey, uh, Mr. Dorsey. Put the pipe down. Yeah. How 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 about let's let's maybe think about the fiduciary responsibility you have and this being a public company. That we're we're not we're not really in this to satisfy your um, political uh, gotcha, you know, business apparatus here. As the stock goes from sixty to forty-five, and they lose however many billions of dollars of market cap that represents. If you're an investor, you're, that game's only going to be uh, even if you're a whatever per- political persuasion. That's only going to last in. Uh, for so long till you start to say, uh, this, is, this is not what we signed up for here. Yeah, especially if they continue purging conservative voices with huge followings. I mean, Trump was probably their single biggest uh, person in terms of followers on the conservative side. Maybe, maybe even overall, depending. I, I don't know who would who would have more followers. But you also have to look at active followers because of people. Yeah, you might keep your account, but you don't use it anymore because you hate what they do. Now, the, no activity means it, that's going to affect everything, too, because your, your, your uh, advertising is going to be like, well, what's your active users look like? And if you keep kicking off a bunch of active users, guess what? That's going to affect things as well. It's a ripple effect that, that, that uh, Charlie Manson uh, Dorsey there didn't really think through, I think, all too well. Yeah. Um, yeah I'm just, I'm just lo- the I'm looking at the volume. chart. Yeah, the overall volume on the site is down as well. So, um, think about it. You had the biggest voice in the world constantly tweeting, whether it's generating activity from people who support or against. There were people constantly retweeting, replying, doing stuff. It was making news. It was generating even more interest. And this guy, this guy, just willy nilly, just like, no, let's just shut him off. All right, great move. Yeah, That's like well, McDonald's saying, you know what? I think we're going to only be open from midnight to 1 a.m. I think when people think about this, they think Jack Dorsey is the end-all, be-all of Twitter. And, uh, yeah, I mean, maybe he is. But when you're a public company on the New York Stock Exchange, you're, you're not the end-all, be-all of anything when it comes to earnings per share and your board of directors and your, and your shareholders. You, you, your fiduciary responsibility to them is going to outweigh your uh, – your personal political persuasion and playing gotcha politics with your company.
from Studio 6B on a Tuesday. So here is um, here's the fearless leader of the Republican Party today on the House, on the Senate, the floor of the Senate today. That would be one um, Mitch McConnell, who I, who I saw a report on uh, social media tonight as we're doing the show, a quote from Mitch McConnell, supposedly, over to the White House saying, if you issue a pardon for Julian Assange, we are more likely to convict you in an impeachment trial in the Senate. Wait a sec. Are that's you, that's what you, I saw. Where did you hear that? I saw it on uh, the Tucker Fortune. Carlson reported it tonight, that that was supposedly a quote from McConnell. All right, so here's, here's McConnell wow. today on the floor. Roll that. The last time the Senate convened, we had just reclaimed the Capitol from violent criminals who tried to stop Congress from doing our duty. The mob was fed lies. They were provoked by the president and other powerful people. Okay, stop. That's all, we, that's all we need to hear from this phony. He has Now, what evidence does he have of that statement? None. He has no evidence of it. Zero. As does anyone else. As a matter of fact, the FBI today, I think, issued its first conspiracy charges against a bunch of people. Which means this was well planned before the president ever got there and started talking. So he has no evidence of that. And he refers to other powerful people. Who's he referring to? Josh Hawley? Ted Cruz? Who? He's just a gutless worm, McConnell is. This is why the Republican Party has been lost for uh, most of the time. Most of the time. Trump did the best he could having to deal with guys like this. Think about what he was up against. I mean, he was up against the Never Trumpers and... There was there was no support whatsoever because you know when you mess with the gravy train the passengers get picked you know a little ticked off, but that's Mitch McConnell today with no evidence of that statement they were in, they were inspired by the president and other powerful people. Well, what proof does he have of that? Zero proof is what he has. Zero proof of that. But. Uh, He'll have all the, you know, the Nancy Mace types. They'll be all up there in McConnell's ear. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm with you, Mitch. I'm with you. Let's, let's cut a deal with the Schumer. He's, he, he, we, we can work with him. Yeah, we can do it. Pelosi, I'll get close to her. They have no idea what they're up against. No idea. Well, maybe the people of Kentucky should uh, recall their senator and put somebody else in his place. I think he's, I think he's uh, had enough time. He gets involved in all these races. He raises all this money, sticks his neck into these races. When he, he was against the Tea Party, goes against conservative, real conservatives, wherever he can. Ah, it's just a, he's a disaster. He is a disaster. Isn't it the same thing that a tea, tea Party? You know what I mean, right? It was just a good constitutional movement. It was about people who just wanted to be left alone. What they do? They label them racist. They send in mm-hmm. uh, you know, provocateurs there as well. All right, so... Um, Here's the second half of the president's uh, speech today. Roll it, G. We reclaimed our sovereignty by standing up for America at the United Nations and withdrawing from the one-sided global deals that never served our interests. And NATO countries are now paying hundreds of billions of dollars more than when I arrived just a few years ago. It was very unfair. We were paying the cost for the world. Now the world is helping us. And perhaps most importantly of all, 
With nearly $3 trillion, we fully rebuilt the American military, all made in the USA. We launched the first new branch of the United States Armed Forces in 75 years, the Space Force. And last spring, I stood at Kennedy Space Center in Florida and watched as American astronauts returned to space on American rockets for the first time in many, many years. We revitalized our alliances and rallied the nations of the world to stand up to China like never before. We obliterated the ISIS caliphate and ended the wretched life of its founder and leader, al-Baghdadi. We stood up to the oppressive Iranian regime and killed the world's top terrorist, Iranian butcher Qasem Soleimani. We recognized Jerusalem as the capital of Israel and recognized Israeli sovereignty over the Golan Heights. As a result of our bold diplomacy and principled realism, we achieved a series of historic peace deals in the Middle East. Nobody believed it could happen. The Abraham Accords opened the doors to a future of peace and harmony, not violence and bloodshed. It is the dawn of a new Middle East, and we are bringing our soldiers home. I am especially proud to be the first president in decades who has started no new wars. Above all, we have reasserted the sacred idea that in America, the government answers to the people. Our guiding light, our North Star, our unwavering conviction has been that we are here to serve the noble, everyday citizens of America. Our allegiance is not to the special interests, corporations, or global entities. It's to our children, our citizens, and to our nation itself. As President, my top priority, my constant concern, has always been the best interests of American workers and American families. I did not seek the easiest course. By far, it was actually the most difficult. I did not seek the path that would get the least criticism. I took on the tough battles, the hardest fights, the most difficult choices, because that's what you elected me to do. Your needs were my first and last unyielding focus. This, I hope, will be our greatest legacy. Together, we put the American people back in charge of our country. We restored self-government. We restored the idea that in America, no one is forgotten because everyone matters and everyone has a voice. We fought for the principle that every citizen is entitled to equal dignity, equal treatment, and equal rights because we are all made equal by God. Everyone is entitled to be treated with respect, to have their voice heard, and to have their government listen. You are loyal to your country, and my administration was always loyal to you. We worked to build a country in which every citizen could find a great job and support their wonderful families. We fought for the communities where every American could be safe and schools where every child could learn. We promoted a culture where our laws would be upheld, our heroes honored, our history preserved, and law-abiding citizens are never taken for granted. Americans should take tremendous satisfaction in all that we have achieved together. It's incredible. Now, as I leave the White House, I have been reflecting on the dangers that threaten the priceless inheritance we all share. As the world's most powerful nation, America faces constant threats and challenges from abroad. 
But the greatest danger we face is a loss of confidence in ourselves, a loss of confidence in our national greatness. A nation is only as strong as its spirit. We are only as dynamic as our pride. We are only as vibrant as the faith that beats in the hearts of our people. No nation can long thrive that loses faith in its own values, history, and heroes. For these are the very sources of our unity and our vitality. What has always allowed America to prevail and triumph over the great challenges of the past has been an unyielding and unashamed conviction in the nobility of our country and its unique purpose in history. We must never lose this conviction. We must never forsake our belief in America. The key to national greatness lies in sustaining and instilling our shared national identity. That means focusing on what we have in common, the heritage that we all share. At the center of this heritage is also a robust belief in free expression, free speech, and open debate. Only if we forget who we are and how we got here could we ever allow political censorship and blacklisting to take place in America. It's not even thinkable. Shutting down free and open debate violates our core values and most enduring traditions. In America, we don't insist on absolute conformity or enforce rigid orthodoxies and punitive speech codes. We just don't do that. America is not a timid nation of tame souls who need to be sheltered and protected from those with whom we disagree. That's not who we are. It will never be who we are. For nearly 250 years, in the face of every challenge, Americans have always summoned our unmatched courage, confidence, and fierce independence. These are the miraculous traits that once led millions of everyday citizens to set out across a wild continent and carve out a new life in the Great West. It was the same profound love of our God-given freedom that willed our soldiers into battle and our astronauts into space. As I think back on the past four years, one image rises in my mind above all others. Whenever I traveled all along the motorcade route, there were thousands and thousands of people. They came out with their families so that they could stand as we passed and proudly wave our great American flag. It never failed to deeply move me. I knew that they did not just come out to show their support of me. They came out to show me their support and love for our country. This is a republic of proud citizens who are united by our common conviction that America is the greatest nation in all of history. We are and must always be a land of hope, of light, and of glory to all the world. This is the precious inheritance that we must safeguard at every single turn. For the past four years, I have worked to do just that. From a great hall of Muslim leaders in Riyadh to a great square of Polish people in Warsaw, from the floor of the Korean Assembly to the podium at the United Nations General Assembly, and from the Forbidden City in Beijing to the shadow of Mount Rushmore, I fought for you, I fought for your family, I fought for our country. Above all, I fought for America and all it stands for, and that is safe, strong, proud, and free. 
Now, as I prepare to hand power over to a new administration at noon on Wednesday, I want you to know that the movement we started is only just beginning. There's never been anything like it. The belief that a nation must serve its citizens will not dwindle, but instead only grow stronger by the day. As long as the American people hold in their hearts deep and devoted love of country, then there is nothing that this nation cannot achieve. Our communities will flourish. Our people will be prosperous. Our traditions will be cherished. Our faith will be strong. And our future will be brighter than ever before. I go from this majestic place with a loyal and joyful heart and optimistic spirit and a supreme confidence that for our country and for our children, the best is yet to come. Thank you and farewell. God bless you. God bless the United States of America. There's the president, <clears throat> the second half of his speech today. Fantastic. Just fantastic. And you, and you juxtapose that, the way he talks about the country, to um, Biden and his administration coming in, Pelosi and Schumer, that ilk, with this, just the slimmest of margins in the House, almost no margin in the Senate, talking how they have some kind of, uh, you know, they want to change, because, you know, America sucks. And they got to they gotta rethink the whole country. You'd never hear a speech like that from Biden or any one of them, ever. All right, we'll wrap it up. Some sports, a little more news when we get back right after this. Studio 6B on a Tuesday night, Real America's Voice, Dish Network, Channel 219, Pluto TV, Channel 240. Let's do some sports here with uh, Rick Emirati. What's going on, Mr. Emirati? Hey, Big D, I owe you an apology. Sorry I didn't follow that Abbott and Costello routine, but uh, actually one of our Twitter followers uh, sent me a tweet regarding that and said, love the great pumpkin remark. Uh, rest in peace, all Hall of Famers we've lost, and don't even try to ed- educate them about the singers. And that was from Diane Lewis, Dancer D. Lewis. So she said, don't even try to educate you guys on the singers. <laughs> well, I don't need any education on the singers. I know who they are. I know uh, Eric Church. Who? About I got her. all his. I got all his. Uh, Did you know who her was? Yeah. Yeah. Who? who who's her? The girl who's singing with Church? No. Right. The one who was over on the weekend. Who's in Church? But you know who who he is. Who's he? I know who he is. I don't know who her is. Right. Her. Wait a second. She's a great artist. She's going by the name Her for real. For real. What about? Oh, the- for real. He's an artist too. No, that's no, 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 no. That's for, <laughs> not for real. For real. Yes. <laughs> That was a good one, though. All right, let's do sports here before we just totally get the whole show off track here. All right, Big D. Uh, a couple of quick scores here. NHL uh, finals, uh, Devils over the Rangers, 4-3. to three. Uh, Panthers and Blackhawks tied 4-4. They're in overtime. Uh, the Senators held off a jet comeback uh, they, to win 4-3 to three in overtime. Uh, Flyers took it to the Sabres, 3 nothing. That's final. Capitals and Penguins heading to OT, 4-4. And uh, Blue Jackets and Red Wings tied at 2, early third. Just two games in the NBA, both early first quarter. Uh, Thunder 31 to 28 over the Nuggets, and Jazz 29 to 24 over the Pelicans. Uh, NCAA, we got uh, well, 
Uh, Illinois is all over Penn State, 41 to 28, and that's uh, late first half. Uh, Alabama is uh, leading LSU 50 to 26. That's uh, with four minutes to go in the first half. And Seton Hall and Villanova, number three Villanova, tied at 28. Unfortunately, Michigan 87, Maryland 63. So the Terps didn't have a good night. That's a final over there. What else is new? I know, I know. Well, we got a little New York Met news here. I know Paul's a big Met fan. So, Paul? Okay. Okay, here we go. I got here we go. I got a big story today, dominating the headlines. All right, here we go. Let's, New York let's, Post. All right. all right. New York Mets GM Jared Porter fired for sending explicit messages and images to a reporter. Uh, owner Steve Cohen tweeted Tuesday that the Mets have terminated Jared Porter this morning, less than 12 hours after ESPN's Mina Kimes and Jeff Pizan uh, reported that Porter sent graphic, uninvited text messages and images to the reporter. Uh, quote, in my initial press conference, I spoke about the importance of integrity, and I meant it, Cohen tweeted. There should be zero tolerance for this type of behavior. Porter 41 was hired as the Mets GM on December 13th to work under Alderson and help lead new owner uh, Cohen's front office. During his introductory news conference, Porter, who signed a four-year contract with the Mets, spoke about, quote, a cultural shift, specifically, quote, Adding good people to the organization, improving the organizational culture. Mm-hmm. This is your GM. The text relationship started casually before Porter began complimenting her appearance, inviting her to meet him in various cities, and asking why she was ignoring him. A copy of the text history obtained by ESPN shows he had stopped respond. She had stopped responding to Porter after he sent a photo of pants featuring a bulge in the groin area. <laughs> oh boy! At one point, she ignored more than 60, 60 messages from Porter before he sent the final lewd photo of an erect. You know the rest. After receiving the vulgar image, she responded, (laughs) this is extremely inappropriate, very offensive, and getting out of line. Could you please stop sending offensive photos or messages? He later apologized (laughs) in a series of text messages. Reached by ESPN last night, Porter acknowledged texting the woman. He initially said he had not sent any pictures of himself. When told the exchanges show he had sent selfies and other pictures, he said... And I quote, the more explicit ones are not of me. They're, they are kind of like uh, kind of like joke stock images. And I don't know any stock <laughs> images like that, Big D. Now, he didn't work for the Lincoln Project before he, before right. he they got this job, did he? No. <laughs> right. Now, so so I have lots, lots of questions yeah. here. Terminate. Lots of questions here about this story. I got one. Now, Steve Cohen is the billionaire guy who just bought the Mets, right? Correct. Yep. Okay. So he just hired this guy December 13th. Correct. You said, or 15th, whatever. 13th, correct. Okay. And so now, so uh, him sending pictures of his wiener to this girl, what didn't happen in this month that he's been hired. Correct. This happened this, about a year ago. No, no, no. This happened in 2016, I believe the report said. Yeah, yeah I think it was, it was a few uncovered. years ago. Oh, it, was it was 2016. So here's my question. Number Who one. Who him? I have many questions. Number one. If you're a, if you have a billion plus dollars, you you can buy the Mets and you've got billions left over. You can't hire somebody to do a background check on this guy to find this out. You 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 hire the guy and find this out within the first four weeks of him being on your payroll. Who's doing the investigate? He doesn't have John Solomon doing his. I can tell you that. I'm just curious. Let, let's hold on. Did he think she was playing hard to get after 60 <laughs> non-replies? Like, yes, yeah. very good so question. 30, so, yeah. so 40, now it's 50. And so no how reply. Do you get to, yes, how so, do you get to the point? If be I, like, oh, I know what's going to I know get, what uh, to do here. Yeah. I know what to do here. Yes, yeah, well, that's a good question. How do you yeah. get to that point and think, well, this will this is this is going to win her over here. 
Th- here we th- go. This will seal the deal. <laughs> right. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is how you close the show. Here, here you go. And, All and, right. And, and it's undisclosed who it was. Uh, apparently it was somebody who I, I believe represents, you know, foreign baseball, probably, you know, the Latin leagues down in South America. Um, and she would travel up. You know, that's what I'm, I'm getting from the story. And this has been going for a while. But ESPN literally just got their hands on this, literally. And uh, it broke the news. Yeah. So I'm not sure if that if a due discovery would have would have even uncovered this unless somebody knew this gal. I don't, I don't know. Big D. No, no. Or she came forward because uh, she didn't want to see him succeed. Maybe she right. just maybe she threw him under the bus here with this. That's what I that's what I believe. But yeah. I'm gonna I'll keep an I'll keep an eye okay. on this now, one. Now my question is is because you know again, Damon, you bring up a point. This happened several years ago. Tw- what 2016? That's what I think I saw. Yeah. Uh, so why not instead of firing the guy? Why not just offer like to have him pay a stiff fine? Yeah, great. Why oh, do you have boy. to? Why do you have All to right. get fired? Why you gotta be so hard on the guy? Well, that, that's what All I was right. wondering. Enough with the balls and strikes. Okay, so uh, we got one more, two more stories, Big D. NASCAR had a whole pre-race Daytona 500 concert with Luke Combs. NASCAR will attempt some normalcy at the season opening Daytona 500 with a live pre-race concert, the first big performance at a track during the pandemic featuring country music star Luke Combs. Combs performed virtually for NASCAR's season finale in November, has not done a live show since the COVID-19 pandemic began in March. NASCAR, which prides itself on elaborate pre-race pomp and entertainment, has not had a major live performance since Pitbull and Blake Shelton performed in the final race uh, before sports were halted. I can't wait to feel that energy again. Man, I miss it, Combs wrote in an email to the AP. It's the first live show I've played since March of 2020, and I'd say it's pretty dang huge. The NASCAR season opens February 14th at Daytona International Speedway. And just one more last quick one, Big D. Tiger Woods has his fifth back surgery, this time to remove a pressurized disc fragment fragment pinching a nerve. Uh, he had a uh, surgery earlier today. They hope it to be a success. He's going to miss the next two tournaments. Um, but he says, I, I look forward to begin training and I'm focused on getting back on the tour, he said on a post earlier today. So uh, we wish Tiger uh, Godspeed as he continues to uh, keep that career going. Yeah, it seemed like this was a very minor surgery to release some pressure that looks sounds like it was a success because uh, he was having some discomfort towards the end of the year. And um of course, now with the Masters being back where it's supposed to be in April, I'm yeah. sure that's what he's kind of targeting, getting back for. Have you, uh, have you gandered at the HBO documentary on him? No, I have not yet, but I want to. I yeah, I want to catch part that. Part one was great. That looks good. And let me just say this. There's nobody better in country music right now than Luke Combs. That, that good old boy is as good as it gets. Never heard of him. Man, I, he can sing. Yes. Hey, you ever hear of a guy named Brian Bingham? Yes. Is he good? No. He's Combs has had um, nine straight number ones, nine wow. straight number ones. Oh, so he plays sappy pop music with no hard. Yeah. No, 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 no. Get out of here. He doesn't oh, do me, hey, uh... by the way, happy birthday to Dolly Parton. One of the great singers ever. Now that's a true talent. One of the great singers, songwriters, vocalists, performers. Oh man, come on. And longevity is unbelievable with her. She's, she's surpassed. It gets no better than Dolly. I mean, yep. I mean, Dolly doesn't get the credit she deserves for her vocals. I mean, you know, you have these Carrie Underwoods of the of the world, but man, Dolly is whew. and a hell of a songwriter too, Big D. Unbelievable! So happy birthday to her. All right, as always, we salute our military, active and active police, firefighters, first responders, EMTs, everybody on the front lines. Thanks, uh, everybody on the show. Thanks, Chief. Thanks, Fran. Thanks, Paul. Rick, Rick. Thanks to Real America's Voice. Most of all, thanks to you, the Live from Studio 6B audience. We will see you tomorrow night, 8 p.m., right here, Real America's Voice. Back with you in 22. We'll see you then.
those lights that are that are just shooting out from the Lincoln Memorial uh, along the reflecting pool. It, I look, it's like almost extensions of Joe Biden's arms embracing America. I mean, those lights.